Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. And first off, we just want to kick off the show with some thanks. A good handful of you donated to the show right around Christmas time. And we wanted to say thank you because, as you know, listener support to this show is really the only thing that keeps it going. So let's just trade off. We'll just trade off the names. I, so I want to give a big thank you to Jessica. Claire. And to John. And James. And Lynn. And Craig. And Jess. And Devaraj. And Mary Ann. Thanks to all of you for helping keep this show alive uh, for another year. And, and I'm going to take that as kind of a holiday bonus from, from you guys. Thank you so much. And as you know, with January in the turnover of the new year comes flooding in all of our yearly bills, Yes, which usually makes January 1st my least favorite day. <laughs> but every bill that Tiffany and I have to pay that's for the entire year, like for instance, our website hosting fee <laughs> arrives first thing, first thing, <laughs> the sunny new year morning piled up with a whole bunch of others. So your support really helps. And if you're interested and you love this show, please do support it. Just visit thebittersweetlife.net and click on one of the donation buttons. But now, without further ado, we are in 2022 now. Unbelievable, as that sounds. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Hopefully this year will mark major turnarounds on many fronts. Uh, but for now, we usually do an annual New Year's resolution show. And in that show, I usually pull clips from the year prior when we <laughs> did the New Year's resolution show. And we see if we lived up to what we promised to do. I did not do that this year because as far as I can recall, we really didn't make any resolutions this year. Because going out of 2020 and into 21 was just so unpredictable that we felt like, how can we promise to do anything when we have no idea what the world is going to look like. And so this year we will be making our show without reflecting, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> what, what do you have to say? I'm kind of, I mean, I, I've always been, as you know, and our listeners know, a big, like, <clears throat> a big resolution maker. Mm -hmm. And this year I just can't, I mean, again, I just can't really stomach it. Like the big ones, you know what I mean? It's my resolutions this year are very, be kinder to yourself. <laughs> Focus more on your own self-care. Take naps more often. Like, I feel like that's the kind of New Year's resolution that 2022 calls for. Interesting. Yeah, I was just talking earlier today with a colleague of mine who was saying that she has three young children. And she was saying that she realized that if she doesn't start putting herself first, like if she doesn't take herself out of the bottom of the pile of the whole family... Because she's been telling herself, well, you know, when they're older, it'll finally be time for me. And she said, by the time they're older and it's time for me, I might not have the energy for what I want to be doing anymore. Yeah. So I need to take myself out of the bottom of the pile and focus more attention on what I want to be doing with my life, as well as caring for these children. Yes, for sure. And I think that, first of all, I can't even imagine three. I say that all the time. Uh, one of them takes so much out of me. I, I am so in awe of people who have multiple children. But even with just one, I feel like I have to constantly remind him that my whole world doesn't revolve around him. And I think that it's good for kids to hear that. You know, they need to know that mama has a life. They need to know that I can't drop everything constantly 
and just run to see the, the latest thing that you did, which of course, I mean, I do give him lots of attention, probably an excessive amount since he's an only child and I'm now working from home. But you know, they need to know that you have to have your time, you have to have your own thing, and sometimes it doesn't include them. So I always have a resolution that I can get done in a day. Yes, you do. Or I have in the past. And uh, the last few years, even when I tried to make the done in a day ones, I didn't do them because we weren't out and about. Yeah, you can't blame yourself for that. Yeah, so I was trying to think of my very first resolution, as you may remember, where I decided to do something that I could do in a day was just to eat a pomegranate. <laughs> I had never tried one before. I love that. That was where this all started. And I was actually just eating pomegranate today. So sometimes when you do something like that, it just becomes a part of your life. But I was trying to think of even a food that I could try. Because food, if you're stuck in your house, yeah. you can still try a food. Sure. But I, I couldn't think of anything. Hmm. So what I've decided to do is make a loose resolution, which might not happen in a day. But I would like to get on a horse at some point this year. Okay. And ideally be riding that horse at a fast gallop. Ooh, <laughs> nice. So I don't know how we're going to work up to that, but that's one of my goals. And I've already laid the groundwork for that. There is a dressage school down in South Seattle, and I've already written to them. And they have an interesting philosophy about life as well and what you can learn from being on a horse. And I have already written to them and said, I would like to come down and do this and maybe do an interview for this show about the life philosophy that comes from being around a horse or a big animal like that. And so hopefully that will mean that at least my goal of being on a horse will be possible. Wonderful. <laughs> now, whether or not the uh, fast gallop is going to happen, that remains to be seen. Maybe a, maybe a canter. Not the same. Not the same. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I really want to, to just race it down down the street all right <laughs> the street <laughs> well i'm trying to think of like what how much land would be in south seattle around uh what do you call that uh, the place where the horses practice yeah the, the arena uh, there's a word for it i know it in italian but i can't think of it in english one time in my life when i was a young fearless person i was at a wedding where they did a trail ride it was out on a dude ranch i was probably like I don't know, an eighth grader, something like this, seventh, eighth grader. And I went on the trail ride. And the coolest thing about it was they brought us to this big open field. And they said, anyone who feels brave enough and feels like they understand horses enough, just go. And I just took off. <laughs> Me and my horse just took off running across this huge, wide open field. And it was the most amazing feeling in the world, I got to say. But again, I was also a fearless, you know, dare I say, immortal human being back then. So mm. I don't know if that would be the same. But I do remember that it was it felt like the closest to flying that I've ever felt. Yeah, I've, I've done it one time, not on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> I was probably eight. I mean, I was little. My sister and I had started riding, you know, horses, taking lessons and we were at the, again, I can't remember the, the name of a place where they keep, I can't, it's like a word that's like stuck in my head that I can't. Stable? St well, stable is where they live. It's like the place where they have some, <laughs> I should know this. My, my nephew literally trains baby horses 
to, to be ridden. Like, that's his job. He, he takes the small horses and he teaches them how to be ridden. If you know what this mysterious term is. What is it called? It's like a really basic <laughs> word. Anyways, I was there. I was at the place where horses are ridden. And <laughs> we, were, we were going around, you know, in the big oval. Mm-hmm. Okay, but there weren't... It was, a, it was open. It was somewhere out in the middle of nowhere. So, like, there wasn't even wooden barricades around. It was just like a big oval. And I'm going around on my little horse. And all of a sudden, something spooked the horse. And she just took off running towards you know the stables where she lives you know so it wasn't exactly it was like you know maybe down the road I mean I just remember holding on for dear life I was not in control of the situation and there was a eventually there was a fence this horse is gonna jump the fence like that was what my head was telling me we're going straight towards this fence I don't believe I'm I, I cannot believe I'm in this situation and the horse turns just before we get to the fence just turns Everything was okay in the end, but man, I was scared. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, Katie, I do, I do actually have a couple of resolutions. Okay. I can't remember if it was New Year's 2020 or 2021 that I said I wanted to read more. And I gave myself the pretty modest goal of 20 books in the year. Mm. I think it was 2021, but then you said we didn't make resolutions for ourselves last year. So perhaps uh, it was 2020. But whatever the case, last year, 2021, I read 40 books. Wow, well done. Okay, full disclosure, I do count all the books that I read to Aurelio. I think that counts as reading them. I mean, if you're reading the books. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not talking about like, you know, a Dr. Seuss book. I'm talking about a full like Treasure Island or Matilda, the witches, like a, a real chapter book. But that is a bit quicker than uh, you know an adult book. Although reading them aloud does make it go slower. I think all reading counts. Aww. So so yes. Yeah, so I want to mit the minimum match that. I I have discovered this year, rediscovered really, how much I love to read, how much joy it brings me. And how much it just improves daily life. I go to pick up Aurelio from school and I just bring my book with me. So if I'm waiting five or ten minutes in the car, I can read. And I go to the gym, I bring my book with me. And and I, I had forgotten for a couple of years there how much just reading in those little pockets that you find throughout the day just makes your day better. And then you look forward to picking up that book at the end of the day. So I'm going to I'm going to give myself a minimum of four, of 40, but I'd really I'd really like to get to 50. Well, what is the purpose of giving yourself a minimum at all? Is it to remind yourself that you must be reading? Do you feel like you would forget? No, it's because I'm a naturally competitive person even with myself. Mm. I'm competitive against myself. So because I did I read 40 Last year, I want to beat that goal this year. But what if beating that goal means that you're kind of racing through the books and not enjoying them as much? Um, I'm not a particularly fast reader. What makes me read more than maybe the average person is simply that I, I spend more time reading. Uh, it's not that I'm reading fast. And I, I don't try to read fast because I w- I'll lose a lot of it. I won't. So I don't attempt to read fast. I just attempt to read much. Right. I guess if that makes sense. That's fair. So I like to give myself those kinds of challenges that motivates me. Mm. So that's the one. And the other one is I would like to, uh, and I'm not going to give myself a particular specific goal on this, but I would like to play the piano regularly. I have a piano. I don't play it very often. I'm not trained. 
Uh, I never really took lessons, but I'm sort of self, basic, basic, self-trained, self-taught. I really enjoy it when I'm doing it. I'm sitting here watching Aurelio, you know, practice every day and seeing him get better little by little by little and seeing him get frustrated and say, well, that's why you practice so that then you get better. It's things that I could tell myself too. And I really enjoy it, but I'm, I'm just not any good at it. But I know that if I practice, I will get a li- at least a little bit better. Are there songs that you just know how to play from memory? No. I no. have three songs that I can play from memory. And wow. this is not counting some of the standard Christmas carols, which are pretty easy. I'm not doing it like with multiple chords and doing all the harmony. I'm, okay. <laughs> I'm talking about the melody only. But I have such a weird three songs. One, I can't, it doesn't have a name. It's a song I wrote as a kid. So I don't know what it's called, but it's pretty good. Uh, <laughs> secondly, my sister figured out how to play the Young and the Restless theme song. Oh my the goodness. soap opera. And I memorized that. So while I have never watched an episode of the Young and the Restless in my entire life, I can play the Young and the Restless theme song on the piano. And number three, I can play the song A Time for Us from the Romeo and Juliet soundtrack of Franco Saparelli's 1968, I believe, movie version of Romeo and Juliet. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting uh, repertoire. Very strange uh-huh. indeed. Yes. Interesting. That's the whole of my knowledge. <laughs> well, those are both very good. Yeah, and they're, they're things that I can do at home. Yes. And they're things that don't require money. I mean, of course, buying books requires money, but I have enough books to last me at least one year, if not more. Hey, that's a curious question. Is there a library system in Rome? There is. Or in Italy in general? There is a library system. It's not the best. I, I've never really been to or attempted to visit what I assume must exist, which is like a central branch, like a big, big library. Like you think about the Seattle Public Library uh, as being this huge library with just every book you can imagine. So I assume there's something like that somewhere, but I don't know where. Um, there is a branch in my neighborhood with a pretty good children's section, although they have hardly any books in English. So what Aurelio and I do often is we go there and we we pick out some books. And if there's anything that he just loves, I will buy it for him in English. And I found a couple of really, really great children's books that way. They do have some English adult books, but it's it's so limited. And you know, I like to buy books. I like to collect books. So that's true. Claudio said to me, you know, we're buying books until you've read all the books that you bought, you know, in the past year. Mm. And so I was like, okay, let me see. Let me see if this is doable. (laughs) That would be a very interesting resolution, actually, to read through every single book on your actual shelf. Because I, well, I have read quite a lot of the books that are in my house. I'm looking around to see if that's true as I say it. Uh, It is true. There have been certain ones that I've had on the shelf for, I don't know, 10 years, more. I've moved them to at least four different locations and I still haven't read them. So that's an interesting thought. But that said, as you know, I'm a big believer that some books have their time. Mm-hmm. And while it could be a great book, it might not be the right time to read it. True, definitely. I've quit great books for that reason before, knowing that maybe I'll be in a different mindset later and it will be great. Speaking of which, since we just did our 
book show recently. Mm-hmm. I did read Strangers on a Train. After you did. You about it. What did you think? I didn't love it. <laughs> I have to say. <laughs> oh God, I did. I loved it so much. I think it's very well written, mm-hmm. and I have so much more to say about it than that. But I don't want to give away the ending, and I have big problems with the ending. Oh, okay. We'll talk about it after or on a bonus episode. <laughs> yeah, on a bonus episode, maybe. But I mean, that's the thing, too, is I hear a book show like that, and then I hear about a book, and I'm like, that's the one I want to read. And then I go and get a copy of that instead of reading what's on the shelf already. <laughs> that, I mean, that is a classic book addict problem that I think so many of us are guilty of. I once, before I started truly collecting books, which I've been doing for about a year and a half now, like collector's editions and stuff when I just bought books because I actually wanted to read the book. I mean, I still do that. I'm not <laughs> saying I don't, <laughs> I'm not saying I buy books and, and have no intention of reading them. But, but back then it was like, let's see how, how cheap I can go. You know, I want to get a book that costs as little as possible. You know, those little white, tiny white stickers, like little circle, circle stickers. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I had these, but I stuck them and it was a mistake because I did, so eventually took them off and some of them left a little bit of residue. So I'm kind of, kind of mad that I did this, but I put them on all of the books that I had not read so that I could see at a glance all the books I hadn't read. That did not motivate me to read them though. It didn't work. So I eventually took them off, but I, I made a list of all of these books that I own now that I've bought in the past year or year and a half that I haven't read. And I mean, it's, that would be like a life goal almost to read all those books because there are books on there like War and Peace, Moby Dick, The Canterbury Tales, Les Miserables, which I read when I was a kid, but I think I read the um, abridged version that was like 500 pages instead of 1,500. So (laughs) I don't really know I could count that, but like so many books like that, Middlemarch, like these tomes, like these huge, long books that may be wonderful, but, you know, it's, it's a huge challenge. I mean, to read a book like War and Peace, that's going to take a couple of months minimum. So, I mean, yes, I, I could do it, but how, it's not going to happen in a year. Well, and the hard thing about that is, is that there's so many great books coming out yeah. all the time. Yeah. Some of my favorite books have come out in the last couple of years. It's just, I mean, and I'm also a person who spent most of my time in the last decade reading books right as they come out yeah. because of working for NPR. But I I do feel like when you see these best of book lists and stuff, or even collecting these editions, it does make you feel like the the eddy of what you need to read is very small, you know, and I just disagree with that. There's so much great stuff coming out now that I think you can go through your whole life without reading Moby Dick. Oh, for sure. (laughs) For sure. I mean, you may want to. And it's some good literature. I'm not saying you shouldn't, but there are so many other great things to read. I think we also can get stuck with like, I must read these classics and you really don't have to. I think what you need to do is look for a mix of books that are just pure entertainment versus books that are more literary, literarily, 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 Mm-hmm. exceptional or challenging, you know, like really fine artistry. And I think that that's the key more than focusing on these old classics. Mm-hmm. It's getting a blend of what's happening now. Yeah, I probably I probably focus too much on classics. But, you know, also just 
the sort of recent classics, modern classics. Mm-hmm. I, I have really fallen in love with 20th century classics. I'm kind of obsessed with right now. But, uh, you know, I do agree with you. I just, I don't have, I feel like I don't have my finger on the pulse of like the great books that are coming out right now, which is probably terrible since this is like the business that I'm in um, as a writer. Well, it's actually tricky. It's interesting because it's tricky too with you living in Rome. And this was something I thought when I was living abroad in Rome too, is that because, you know, you as an English speaker, and yes, you speak Italian, but tend to want to read in English. Oh, I only read in English. All of a sudden, when you're living in a foreign country, not across the board, but in Italy, that's all I have experience with. All of a sudden, it gets so shrunk. Yes. Because there are bookstores that do sell things in English, but it's not like the big major bookstores are selling stuff in English. No, no, no. You can't. I mean, there's no such thing as like a Barnes and Noble where you walk into this enormous place that's going to have every important recent uh, release and all the bestsellers. And, you know, it's just you're going to have a small section of the big bookshops or you got to go to an English language bookshop which there are some really good ones here, but they're, they're small bookshops, you know, so they don't, they don't have, they're limited with what they can get. Yes, harder to browse. Mm-hmm. So Tiffany, a quick aside, I want to tell you about a podcast that I really, really love because especially kind of around the holiday, the turn of the year, sometimes a lot of podcasts go on hiatus and you just feel like, uh, I, what am I supposed to be listening to? <laughs> I'm still here. I still want to hear something. Uh, and I don't know about you, too. I am constantly searching for new shows. Absolutely. It's so hard to find. There's no like re- way to find new podcasts, I feel. I know. And that's why you need people to tell you about them. Yes. Why I'm always telling you listeners to The Bittersweet Life to tell your friends about The Bittersweet Life. But I'm going to tell you about a show that I really love. It's called Battle Tactics for Your Sexist Workplace. It's produced and co-hosted by a longtime colleague of mine from NPR, Jeannie Yandel, and co-hosted by Eula Scott Bynow. And they take this very serious subject, workplace sexism, how unfair it is, where it shows up, what to do about it, and somehow make that topic not only fascinating, but really, really fun. They laugh and tell you about their lives. They share the grief that they've undergone. They share the ways that they've been held back in the workplace. And they give you actionable steps to take to try to make where you work better, all while somehow laughing a bunch. (laughs) It's very charming. It's very, very charming. That's very ambitious. It's very ambitious. It's very charming. And it's very well produced. Like they have excellent guests. And you know me, I really appreciate really, really, really good guests. They really know what they're doing. So even if you're not working in a workplace, I know some of you are retired or some of you have not had to actually subject yourself to the workplace yet because you're still working from home. It is a super entertaining show and will have you reflecting on how sexism has played a part of your life no matter where you have gone and been and what you're doing. It's very, very interesting. Yeah, it really makes me think about this sort of latent sexism that you know, you know, is just under the surface, even if maybe it's not as obvious as Mad Men, like secretary, <laughs> yeah. you know, type of thing. But yeah, it's there. And I especially feel like it comes up if you speak out, if you speak up. I was just sort of like, while you were talking, thinking about the sexism that I've encountered in my workplace. And I always feel like if you're a woman, you kind of have to be nice. And that means putting up with whatever anyone else is you know, saying to you or doing to you, whether or not it's, I mean, it might not be harassment. It might just be not treating you very nicely. And you just kind of have to put up with it because if you don't, people will be like, whoa, 
what's going on? I thought you were a nice person. <laughs> Whereas a man can be assertive and tough and stand up for himself without being seen as a jerk. This is totally a topic that they would handle. It reminds me when you were saying that about, I've said on the show before, but I had a boss once who told me that if I had really truly wanted to be a radio host, I would have come into his office on day one and demanded it. <laughs> Considering your place, you as a female in the workplace, can you imagine doing that? Me walking into the office, I'm an intern, I barely know what's going on. And I just go into his office and say, you know what, you are going to make me a host. <laughs> It's just laughable. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely laughable. I mean, it's almost laughable for a man too, but it's even more laughable for a woman. Like women can't get away with that. Well, and he did cite a man. He did say, like so-and-so did. So, And I was not surprised to hear which so-and-so that was, but I will keep that off the record and remind you that if you're looking for a new podcast, you should definitely try Battle Tactics for Your Sexist Workplace. They have a whole season out already. They've just started season two. They come out every other week. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and you could be binging it by this afternoon. I know I'm going to. But back to the resolutions. <laughs> Do you have a suggestion of a type of food that you would assume I have not ever tried that you think I should eat in 2022? Are you asking me to give you a suggestion? Yes. Now, remember, I've already done persimmons. I was, you know, I was thinking of persimmons. Pomegranates, and I've done oysters. And you, I was, this was not a resolution, but I gave you your first fig. That's true. Actually, yes. You did give me your first fig. And you told me it wasn't that good of a fig. It wasn't the best. It was, it was early in the season. If, if it had been a month or two later, it would have been way better. Yeah. So my opinion of figs is still poor. (laughs) (laughs) Don't. I love what they look like though. I think they're very charming looking. Don't give up on figs. They're so good. Okay. Um, But assuming I can't get a good fig to save my life over here in Seattle. What do you think I should eat? Let's see. Let's see. Maybe instead of going the fruit and veg route, <laughs> we could uh, we could go for a, a certain type of country's cuisine that you've never eaten. Mm. It might be hard. Have you ever had Ethiopian food? I have. Yes. Okay. Uh, I can't think of anything because again, that's something that you know Italy doesn't have. I think an item might be easier. An item. We do have an Italian grocery store in downtown Seattle. Is there anything oddly Italian that I should try that I would not have tasted? I mean, there's paiata. I don't know if you can get that. What is you it? Won't, I mean, you'll, you'd have to you'd have to go to an Italian restaurant. You'd have to go to a Roman restaurant. Mm-hmm. Uh, paiata is. I mean, I wouldn't touch it uh, <laughs> <laughs> at all uh, ever, even if I. Even if I ate meat on a regular basis, but it's, uh, it's usually it's in pasta. Like usually you, you get, uh, like a certain type of pasta with payata in it. If I understand this correctly, it's the intestines of a suckling lamb. So a lamb that is still nursing oh, that have the semi-digested milk in them still. <laughs> I know, isn't that nasty? But why would I want to resolve to eat something like that? Well, you resolve to eat oysters. <laughs> well, I mean, the idea... Would... People, But people love payata. Well, some people... people go okay. crazy for it. Okay, that's fair. I was going to say, well, some people love oysters. Like... Well, yeah, it's, well, it's the same. It's truly got to be the same thing. I'm not an oyster person, but I love 
I love shrimp, but I mean, maybe shrimp are a lot easier to love than oysters. Yes, I would. In my opinion, they're extremely more easy to love than oysters. But I know that's an unpopular opinion, particularly around here. But I mean, I think in trying the new food, generally speaking, I'm trying to think like this might be something that's worth adding to my life. Mm -hmm. So yeah, payata, you I mean, You'd think, Payata, I'm not going to add that to my life. But if you lived in Rome, that would be one more thing on the menu of a, your typical Roman restaurant that you could, you know, you could order. There's also tripe. That's right. another really classic Roman dish, which is, uh, I think, the stomach. I think the tripe is stomach, right? I think Or esophagus so. and stomach. I mean, offal is a really big thing in Roman cuisine because it was like part of the poor cuisine because it was much less expensive. These were parts of the animal that were very cheap. And so they, they got into the local cuisine and now they're, you know, now people adore them. Um, but let me think about something that's not an organ. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, generally speaking, it's a good rule. Think of something that's not an organ. <laughs> uh I mean, I'm trying to think, but I, I feel like you lived in Italy for a year. You must have tried the major, you know, classic Italian stuff. Yeah, it's it's easier to just go with... That's why the persimmon or something is so easy, because it's like a one object. It's not even a dish. It's just an element. Have you ever had lardo di colonnato? I think that's the name of it. Correct me if I'm wrong, food people who are listening, because as you know, I'm not a foodie. Lard, I think it's called lardo di colonnato or something very close to that. You can get it at the deli. If you have an Italian deli, you should be able to get it there. It comes in a big chunk, like you would get bacon, you know, and they would slice off the slices of bacon. It's like this big chunk of cured meat, but it's lard. Okay. It's literally just fat and it's white. And what do I do with it? Just eat it. I think you put it maybe on a cracker. I don't know. Roll it up, put a toothpick through it and just munch it like a little cigar. <laughs> Yeah, I guess. Like, I, you know, I don't eat this stuff, so I okay. can't. Okay, I'll try to find that. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Seattleites, that's not really a popular, <laughs> just pure, pure fat. All right, well, since we're almost out of time, I do have one more question for you. Unless you have another resolution that you need to share no, on the record. No, that's, those are my two. Okay, just because you just recently went through this. For those of you who traveled to Italy or have lived there a long time or have been there before, know this. But for those of you who don't, that if you celebrate the Christmas holiday in Italy, your goal on the eve of Christmas is to eat seven different kinds of fish in one meal. Yeah. Now, I am not a big seafood lover. There are certain things, seafood, that I like. But, you know, compared to other people who've just you know, will go to a seafood restaurant as their first choice. That's not me. That will be my last choice, most likely. And although your mother-in-law is a wonderful cook, and she is, that meal is a real challenge for me. And, you know, and I don't want to say it, to go as far as to say I would not move to Italy permanently just to avoid the Christmas Eve dinner. But it's close. <laughs> well, I remember that night that you guys came and there was a mistake made on my mother-in-law's part. She gave you too much pasta. She gave both you and Derek these enormous plates of pasta. Which oh, you, no. Of course... Thank God she gave us enormous plates of pasta. Oh, really? Because I don't really like fish that much. So for me to ta have to tap out 
is brilliant. Okay. <laughs> I Well, I just remember it being so much, like these plates, like heaped with pasta and pasta with vongole, with clams. And it was, it was almost too much. Like that dish, um, and I'm not going to sit here and criticize my mother-in-law's cooking, but if you put too much pasta in the plate... There's not enough juice. Clam juice. Oh my God, it's so good though. It's so <laughs> good, Katie. It's so good. So you're telling I'm not, me. I was just going to say, I'm not a fish person either. I didn't grow up as a fish person. I hated fish when I was a kid. But I have come to appreciate it so much. Not all fish. I'm still not really big on salmon. I'm not probably going to eat oysters, although I have tried them. But when I'm on, when I'm like on a ketogenic phase, you know, and I and I'm trying to not eat pasta, and I go to my mother-in-law's, and she has made pasta with vongole. She just gives me the clams in my plate with no pasta, and I just eat the clams. You're like, how depressing is this? It's good. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Okay, well, just to wrap it up. So since I brought this up, what seven kinds of fish did she serve you this year? Um, I mean, she always makes the same every year. Uh, So it's always the pasta with clams. Uh, she makes steamed shrimp. Uh, she makes fried calamari. She makes a salad with bacala, which is salt cod. She makes another salad with octopus, which when my mother saw me eating that, she was like, who are you and what have you done with my child? Because, I mean, as a kid, like, there is no way I would have touched that stuff but I really like it if it's fresh it's so good and then she makes two types of fresh uh uh, sorry of fried small fish and she serves them just like the whole fish maybe the head is off and one is trilia which I think is trout and one is merluzzo which is cod which I mean I guess you could you could say Salt, cod, cod, same thing. But in English, in Italian, I mean, they're different. They have different names. So bacala and merluzzo. So I guess those are the seven types of fish that she serves. And that's a very Neapolitan thing, by the way. It's a Southern Italian thing. They don't do that in all over the country. Oh, okay. So if, if you want to avoid the Christmas Eve <laughs> fish Why would you, though? Meal. Why would you? You need to move to the north. <laughs> move to the north. <laughs> Well, of course, we would love to hear your New Year's resolutions because perhaps we could share them on one of our Thursday mini shows. If you have a plan this year, or even if you've decided not to make a plan this year, because the last two years have been so hard to plan, we want to hear about it. You can always email us by visiting thebittersweetlife.net. There is a contact us page there. You can write right through there. That might be the easiest to remember. Or you can also email bittersweetlifepodcast at gmail.com. You can also send us voice memos. We absolutely love that. Just use your phone's pre-installed voice memo app. And uh, once you've taped it, just click the little icon that has like an arrow pointing up that will generally send it, give you some options, and you can just email it straight to us at bittersweetlifepodcast at gmail.com. Yes, we'd love to hear your voices. And I guess we'll leave it there with our downsized minimalist (laughs) expectations for this year, hoping that by 2023, the world will feel a lot more open 
Here's hoping. Here's hoping, man. And until next time, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Bye. You could sponsor this show and reach educated, curious, and compassionate listeners all over the world. Our listeners are a remarkable, diverse, and engaged group of people that I am so continually impressed by. Visit thebittersweetlife.net and click support to get the conversation started. <laughs>